May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You'd have to think that if you were God, you'd be a bit disappointed the way things turned out. You'd have to feel let down. Let down by Israel, your nation, your chosen people, your light to all the nations. How did that turn out? Not so well. You'd feel a bit disappointed by what happened to your world that you made so beautiful and perfect. You made in love with glorious creativity and there it is turned into an abattoir. You'd feel failed by the individuals that you created. Everyone unique and special. And yet, look how it turned out. All that unrealized potential. All that grim record of serial violence. The catalogue of catastrophically bad decisions. The chronic delinquency. You're bound to be disappointed. And the powerful poetry of the Old Testament captures that sense of loss and waste with the telling imagery of the vineyard that did not bear fruit and ended up a mess of weeds and briars and brokenness. The Lord God planted a vineyard and how lovely it was and how full of potential. I don't know what people really expect when they come to church, but one thing is sure, there is no small talk. No small talk here. We consider, we grapple with, we dare to ask big questions. To think together about huge issues of existence and who we are and being and meaning and morality, decisions and destinies. Truths and intriguing possibilities raised by this faith journey that we make together. And that's because we understand that we live in a universe that's a serious business. A universe of consequences and knock-on effects where how we see things, what we do, the way we live, actually matters makes a difference, profoundly affects us and other people. We acknowledge through the seriousness of our deliberations and our openness to the approach of truth, however it comes to us, that this life we live is not a rehearsal. This life we live is not a rehearsal. This is the real deal. None of our living or our choosing happens in the abstract. The roads we take, take us somewhere, to this place or that. The choices we make have this effect or that. And the Bible makes it clear that all our decisions will have consequences. The wrong decisions as well as the right ones. These will not simply disappear off into the stratosphere, fade into nothingness. They will impact the real world. 
Touch the lives of other people. Touch and sometimes bruise. Touch and sometimes wound. What we do, who we choose to be, will make a difference every single day. So it matters what we do and who we are and what we choose and how we think. It matters that we think. The prophet Isaiah doesn't hold back. He spells out the outcomes if Israel reneges on her responsibilities to be the pure-hearted people of God, his fruitful, beautiful vineyard. And what he says about them, we appreciate, includes the lives of all individuals. Should they too opt for their purposes over against God's will? So it really does matter what we think about these things and where we place our ultimate concerns, our truest loyalties. And to get it wrong, to ignore that stern and uncompromising reality, to miss that it's about something serious, leads to real loss. It all sounds a bit strong, and we we wonder in our hearts, really, if God means all this, if it is that important. We kind of hope he doesn't. The drastic outcomes of living outside or against his will. How do these dire descriptions of what's going to happen tie in with the God who loves us with a love that will not let us go? Who will never leave us or forsake us. And we feel, we feel the tension there. But clearly he has chosen to give us the chance to be ourselves. Wherever that freedom to be ourselves takes us. He shows us his way. He gives us his guidance. But he also has respect for our choices. It's a serious freedom. It's not a mythical, imagined freedom. It's real. And that makes our human existence, our life, a serious business. And the requirement to think hard and with respect about how we live and who we will be is profound and crucial. We can't really ignore the warnings on the side of the packet as to what the side effects will be and just go on and do it anyway and then complain when the side effects affect us. Of course, some people would say, some people would say all this talk about God and his will and life and its purposes and human freedom and its responsibilities should just be dismissed as a mere cosmic drama. An infantile construct of the gullible who are afraid to live and die bravely. A wee story to help those who are fragile and incapable of standing courageously in the face of a meaningless universe. Instead, these people, these weak people, need to stumble through life aided by a concoction of religious fiction and fables and that's what they say out there some people, the hard-nosed secularists who have no time for these fictions of faith they dismiss the cosmic drama and are they right to do that? 
Or is this actually the one story that matters? Action. Because it's the story that tells the truth about us. Our real story. Who we are. What we've done. What we require. What we need. Is that the story? Paradise lost. Paradise regained. If this is who we are, we need to know. Is this the story of us, fall and redemption, lost and found, broken and fixed, dead and raised to life? Or are these merely metaphors and symbols? Do they represent our truth? It's really important to know. It's crucial to find out. Are we going to live with this story because it tells the truth about who we are? That that is us. We did do those things. We do need this help. We are in trouble. We have sins that need attention. We have failures that need addressed. Or do we choose to dispense with any story? Refuse to interpret our life as including a search for truth. A sacred pilgrimage. Instead, we abandon all this emotive nonsense about being engaged in a quest and we pour scorn on the notion of a journey towards God. And we just get on with life, why don't you? They say, just get on with life. Do we say, I'm not interested in then? That's our past with its pain and its mistakes and its shame. And none of that matters now because I'm living in the now and living in the moment. That was when we were that person. Counts for nothing. So we don't give a thought to where our life has been, still less where it might be going. And whether eternity waits for us with its big question marks. And so we got on with our lives because it's easy to do that. There's plenty of things to fill our story. Our crowded life can be organised in such a way that we actually never have time to be interested in these preoccupations. There are things to buy, things to sell. There are bodies to be pampered and protected. There are experts assuring us that there are more box sets in the world than you'll ever get through. There'll be our hobbies and our pursuits. All the fun and games. By the time we've done all that, who's got time, to be honest, to think about the big questions? My life's complex enough, people say. Why bother with blood and crosses and wine and old, old stories and talk of salvation and holiness and sacrifice and God and spirit? I've got enough on my plate. Who can find time for these obscure notions? Why bother with the big questions? Well, wise people do bother about them. Wise people do bother about the big questions. First of all, because they're there. They're there. And not to consider them, not to be open to them, is to choose to neglect the vineyard. Is to choose... The jumble of a vineyard that doesn't bear fruit and is overgrown with weeds and briars and brokenness. And who would choose that? Who, after a moment's thought, would choose that? 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.